Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host for tonight, Nick Pollock, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Matt Filipovitz. Matt, how are you doing tonight? Nick, I'm good. I'm excited. It's the home opener. This is always one of my favorite weekends of the year, especially when I was a student. Um, I absolutely love this weekend. So I'm happy we get to go into this one uh, with Penn State at 1-0. and So should be uh, should be a fun opener. Yeah, in case you missed it, I don't know how you could, but in case you missed it, Penn State did win last weekend or last week on the road at Purdue 35-31. So they will come back to the friendly confines of Beaver Stadium with a wonderful 1-0 record, James Franklin's favorite record, 1-0. And this week they are going to get a bit of a, uh, you know, foot off the gas pedal a little bit here with the Ohio Bobcats should not be as difficult of a challenge as the Purdue Boilermakers were. Um, but you know, you never know because look back just to 2012 and Bill O'Brien's first game when Penn state lost to those same Bobcats, 24, 14, we're going to talk a little bit about that game. Cause I went back and rewatched the highlights a second ago and it was pretty hilarious in retrospect. Um, but you know, before we dive too far into the past, let's talk about the present. Let's talk about the Ohio Bobcats. Um, but before we do that real quick, in case you are not already, please make sure you're subscribed to Roar Lions Roar on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have the ability to do so because you haven't already, please go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, and if you do that on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave us a question in the comment that accompanies your five-star review, and we'll happily answer it on the podcast. Also of podcast business here, please make sure that you tune in on our YouTube channel before the game on Saturday, where Matt and I will be doing a live stream and you know just running down some things about the game or whatever we feel like talking about before the game. So you can tune in on YouTube there and ask questions live and join us for all the week one fun that can be had are you making breakfast before it during it what are we thinking here i know it's it's early for you it's also kind of early for me consider cons- yeah comparatively yeah so being that this is a 9 a.m start for me uh i'm trying to think what i typically do during these typically i think i during halftime i either just make like oh eggs and eggs or something or i go get a low quality state of Washington bagel and toast it and eat that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably do something like that. What are are you going to do? Uh, I don't, I might make myself an omelet or I might venture down. I don't live far from, uh, from Chicago bagel authority and they have a, they have a couple really good breakfast sandwiches. I like, so maybe I'll venture down there, take a nice little walk in the morning. Maybe we'll see. Not a big bagel guy. Well, that's because you didn't grow up in New York or New Jersey like myself. That's true. That's fair. I do. So I I don't, I don't, I like where I live. I like living in a suburb as opposed to a city, but I do really enjoy the convenience when you are in a city of being able to just walk a couple blocks and do something like get a solid breakfast sandwich. So I am jealous of you in that regard. There is a, there's a breakfast sandwich. The one closer to me has a Penn state like painting in the window that's for sale. And every time I walk in one of the kids behind the counter, I say kids they are probably like 19. They're like, you want to buy that? And I'm like, in no way, shape or form do I want to buy this Penn State painting you have in your, co- in your like coffee shop window. It's it's like it's like 75 bucks. It's hand painted. It's beautiful. But like, I don't have a place to hang it. And I hate that. Like, I can't wear a Penn State shirt into that place because somebody's going to ask me to buy the painting in the window. Well, you know what? Maybe you can wear a shirt that you can also get from our wonderful sponsor who we'll talk about later in the show instead yeah, next true. time you go in there. That's true. Um, but first, let's talk about these Ohio Bobcats. So neither of us are expert 
experts on the Bobcats, nor will we pretend to be so. But, you know, we have some information we can share here. We know that they are 104th in the SP Plus ratings, Bill Connolly's uh, advanced stat ratings. We know they're the 102nd ranked offense in those ratings, the number 98 defense, and the number 88 special teams. We also know that they beat FAU in week one, uh, 41-38. Quarterback Curtis Rourke was 27 of 34 for 345 yards and four touchdowns. Running back Cy, I'm assuming it is, Cy Banger, which is a fantastic name. I hope that's not a typo that my phone put in there. But uh, 23 carries for 114 yards. And we also know their punter, whose name escapes me now. I believe he averaged 44 yards a punt in week one. So, you know, kind of solid all across the board for them. Um, Obviously not high expectations for the Ohio Bobcats coming into this season. But, you know, they look spunky at least. Yeah, I mean, they moved the ball against a Charlotte team. Uh, not Charlotte team, excuse me. Against an FAU team uh, that killed a Charlotte team. Uh, like, destroyed them back in week zero. Uh, a name to know is probably James Bostic, uh, a Power 5 transfer uh, at the down to that level. Uh, he currently leads the MAC in receiving yards. Granted, you know, it's week one. Uh, one big game will do that for you. But Power 5 talent playing going up against uh, MAC competition is going to put up some good numbers. So, I think he could be a little bit of an issue, but after what Penn State saw against Purdue, I'm not really worried about uh, a passing game being able to replicate that or wanting to try to replicate that, especially considering how that game ended. I was trying to think back before this, um, just thinking back to Penn State playing non-conference games under James Franklin, and uh, we they didn't blow out. I guess they did blow out Villanova, but I'm gonna even I'm gonna remove FCS teams from this from this discussion. When was the last time you can remember that Penn State really like just took a non a group of five team to the woodshed? Because they didn't really do it to Ball State last year. Like they they won, but it wasn't what was a, that 33-14, The final of that one was yeah, Something like, like that. they they won, but it wasn't egregious. I mean, for me, I the last one I can really remember vividly might be Georgia State. Um, there was Idaho, but that's FCS. Um, that's FCS, yeah uh georgia state was 2017 was that the same year they played kent state and they won 63 10 i remember that because I, I picked so. that i picked that score on the money uh in my game preview <laughs> when i wrote it that week i vividly remember that um there was buffalo 2018 where they were down at half and ended up winning uh by like four scores i want to say um yeah. yeah usually if they're uh if they're blowing teams out, it's usually like Maryland um, on the road on a Friday night. Like it's very rarely uh, these kind of group of five teams. I think a lot of that is because they usually play them pretty early. So you're still figuring them some things out um, or in the case of a lot of Mac schools, a lot of the times it's game one. So you're still figuring stuff out um, yeah. or game two in the case of last year. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. I can't really remember the last time that happened. Probably Georgia state or Buffalo would be, would be the two I can think of. Given you know, given the few facts here, I'm going to rattle off. I think this is probably the best opportunity they've had to do that in a little bit. One, because it's the first time in a while they have a returning offense coordinator and quarterback. We've talked about how important that that connection is, and it's been a long time since they've had two years of that. So that's a major factor. Um, I think that they also, I think James Franklin is, we know he's very aware of mm-hmm. the public perception of the run game struggles. And I think that we are both in agreement that this run, we think this run game can be a lot better than it is, if for no other reason than the running backs in the room are so immensely talented. Mm-hmm. I I think that we will see them, you know, really give give a full effort into letting those guys run wild as much as they can. 
Um, yep. And also, you know, this Penn State defense is just so strong, and the secondary in particular is just so strong. Usually when you're playing teams like this, the way that they are able to score is, you know, sneaking in like a like a 40-yard out-of-nowhere completion on third and two or something like that. Yep. But I just yep. don't think the secondary is really going to allow something like that. So to me, this kind of feels ripe for a chance to for Penn State to actually really lay the hammer down on a group of five opponents. Yeah, and I think I think they need a statement game. I think they need a confidence builder too. Heading into Auburn, uh, we just saw Auburn beat up FCS Mercer last week. You know, good for them. Beat the teams on their schedule, uh, and then they're yeah. going to do the same thing this coming week against San Jose State. In all likelihood, uh, so the Auburn team is going to go in riding a high, and I think Penn State has to has to at least match that kind of energy. Uh, and I think a, a dominant win over a MAC team that I know went three and nine last year, but. Um, they got their first FBS win in the month of September in like four or five years uh, just last week. So it's a team that's clearly starting to figure some things out. Um, again, I don't know how good FAU is, but FAU does have a, a win on the, on the, uh, in the win column as well already. So I think this could be just be a, a really great opportunity for them to just put some demons behind them, hopefully, and build up some confidence. So on that note, in you know again only so much we can say about ohio but what we can do is really focus on the penn state side of things and we've talked you know we talked in the aftermath of the purdue game we talked on the podcast a couple of days ago about you know overreactions and underreactions from week one um so matt i'm I can, we're kind of go gonna go back and forth here i'm curious what maybe the thing that you most want to see or just one of the things you want to see but what do you want to see from penn state this week that maybe we didn't see last week a full two deep. I don't care. Honest, honest to God. I don't care how many yards they run for. Do I want a hundred yard game from a back? Of course. Uh, do I want a shutout? Of course. Uh, but I think the more important thing right now is getting guys comfortable. I mean, we just saw them travel. How many dudes to an away game in the big 10 in game one, how many true freshmen to an away game in the big 10 in week one, clearly they think, they have the athletes to build a true two deep at every single position. And if you're mm -hmm. going to build it, you have to get the on-field experience. So would I love for them to cover? What is it? 24 and a half, 25 point spread. Of course. Like, do I want big plays? Yes. But if they win, I'll even say that what I think the ball state score was last year, if they win 33, 10, but there's nine guys who caught passes, there's, you know, 22 guys who got solid reps on defense. There's two quarterbacks who played multiple drives. Like that, that's the biggest win I think they can get is building that depth. And that's been a big thing. Franklin keeps on mentioning in every single public statement is that they want to make sure they never have to go through what the 2021 experience ever again, where a loss of a couple key guys can send you from a new year six uh, caliber season to, you know, playing in the Outback bowl. So I, I honestly could care less about the score. I think it's going to be a big blowout. But the more important thing to me is seeing Abdul Carter, Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Amari Evans, Caden Saunders, uh, you know, Zane Durant, you name it. I want to see him on the field. Drew Shelton, I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like, especially with the uh, with the tackle issues it looks like they're having on the right side. The only thing I really – the only expectation I have is that a lot of guys are going to play and I'm going to see a lot of things that are new, which makes what should be a blowout game very exciting to me. I think that the main thing that I want to see, it's it's related to that, because if the thing that I want to see happens, then we'll be well on the way 
to seeing that full too deep that you want to see. But I want to see mostly, I just want to see some some crispness, some some fine tuning from that first string, especially on offense. Um, If if we think back to the Villanova game last year, yes, Penn State rolled, but they did it. You know, the first play was Jahan Dotson just running straight by a dude. Like it was, it was you could. It was very clear that this was a Power Five team against an FCS school. And then later in the game, I believe we had Parker Washington just caught that slant and then just kind of like ran around three people like it, they didn't win with you know overwhelming um they couldn't run like, out of this world play calls yeah like they just they just won purely with talent which is great like that's what penn state should do but i would really like to see you know i'd like to see sean clifford come to the line with confidence i'd love to see him hitting dudes in the chest on slant routes. I'd love to see the offense try different things when it comes to its formations. And I'd like to see them actually get work in, you know, when we've seen them be the most effective, it's when they run four, three or four different plays out of the same set on consecutive downs. And I'd like to see some of that. Like I, can you put a lot of stock into Clifford doing that against a Mac team that again went three and nine last year? Like, no, that make you feel better about how the season could head if he goes out there and does that. Blitz agrees. No, it, but and but for me, it's not it's not a um, it's not a confidence thing. Like, it's not like okay. I don't need to see Clifford do this to feel better about Sean Clifford. It's okay. more just a I want to see the offense function in as not to be rude or unfair to Ohio, but I want to see them function in as low stress of a still competitive environment that they can get. I I just want to see execution more than anything else. Um, And preferably that execution of the offense will lead to an execution on the scoreboard. Oh, um, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, Brian Kelly would be proud. What what else do you want to see from him this week? Uh, the big thing that I, I want to see outside of those guys getting in there and getting good reps is I want to see Drew Aller. I, I want to see Penn State's five-star freshman come in in non-garbage time and have multiple drives. I want him to go out there. Obviously, this is going to sound terrible. I want him to make a mistake, and then I want to see how he bounces back from it. Because if he can make that mistake against Ohio – learn from it. And then let's say something happens. He has to come in against Auburn. He doesn't have to worry about that spiraling. He's already been there and done that. So would I want to see, you know, a perfect game against a Mac opponent to really make me think Penn state can compete with this upper echelon of the sport, of course, but that's not realistic. At least what we think, at least from what we know right now. So I want to see Drew Aller have multiple drives. I want to see him find success, of course, but I want to see him figure out how to beat an FBS defense. I want to see what that looks like between him and Mike Yursich, because again, you know, no matter how you swing it, Sean Clifford's gone after, after the season. So Drew Aller is going to be the guy who runs the show in all likelihood in 2023 and 2024. And you know, what happens beyond that is, you know, it's up to him. Um, But I want to see him really exist in an FBS college football game, make it his own and not just be the guy who comes in, uh, when Sean Clifford has to go and, and try to get a dude's wife's NF, N, uh, NIL deal. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I think as maybe as an addition to that too, it'd be nice to actually see him get that opportunity with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the backfield with Caden Saunders out at receiver. You know, it'd be fun Mm -hmm. to actually see with Drew Shelton at left tackle. I mean, I I think it's important to get Aller snaps with the ones as much as possible, but it's also a plus to be able to get him on the field with those guys that he's going to be playing with for however many years ahead. Um, But yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm wondering, so if we think about Penn State's you know, typical non-conference opponents over the years, especially in like the James Franklin era. You know, we've seen, well, I guess we haven't seen Ohio since 2012, but we've seen Ohio, we've seen, you know, Eastern Michigan, we've seen Akron, we've seen Kent State, we've seen, you know, we've seen a several teams and most of them a handful of times. I'm curious if you have a favorite of these non-Power 5, you know, regional-ish opponents that Penn State plays so often. That they have played or like that I'd like them to play? How, whatever, however you want to take it. I, I love the App State game. I thought that game was so fun. Mm. Also, I think it taught Penn State a very valuable lesson in that you never schedule App State. Um, and <laughs> we get we get to, we get to talk. Penn State won the game. Like we have those bragging rights over the schools that App State strikes fear into. Um, but that was a really fun game. That was like my the first game of my senior year. Um, it was the first game without Saquon. The first game without Gasicki. Like it was such a it was there was such a newness around that Penn State team. Um, and for them to go out there and, and get a good win was was really enjoyable for me. Um, but in terms of like regional, uh, like MAC or, or FCS schools, I, I really like these games. I think they're great for a different kind of fan to go out there and enjoy it. Like if you're a diehard, you're going to go to Michigan, Minnesota. Like those are the games that you live for. I think these games are just great opportunities for for just young families and those young fans to get out there and enjoy that atmosphere in a much lower stakes environment. Like, you know, you know, I come from a Penn state family. Um, You know, I I grew up around these kind of games. You know, these are the games that I went to when I, when I was younger Um, just because they were the, they were the best ones to go to. Like I remember when I was in high school, we went to like a UMass game. Like that's a little bit older than what I'm talking about there, but that was the one that my family was like, that's the one that works best for us. And that really, you know, helped to spark my love of Penn State football was because I always got to go and watch them win by 30. Um, so I don't know. I, I like playing like the Villanovas. I like playing the Delawares. I don't know. I just think there there's value in it for me. I remember that UMass game. I was either a freshman or a sophomore. I do remember that game though. Um, mm-hmm. Does the fact that Joe Moorhead is now coaching one of those teams, does that elevate them on your list of who you'd yeah. like to oh, play or does that actually sure. scare you? No, I mean, listen, Jomo has a has a hell of a rebuilding job ahead of him. Um, and I want nothing but the world for Joe Moorhead. He's he's the nicest dude. I mean, I think I've ever talked to uh, like at media day stuff. Jomo is just like an insanely nice man and somebody you want to root for. Um, and I, I, I think it would be very cool to see what his homecoming would be like. Like, I think it would be if Bill O'Brien's Alabama as the Alabama OC ever came back to happy Valley, which I hope never happens because they Penn state would lose by a million. Um, But I think O'Brien would get this just insane response from the fan base who are just very appreciative for what he's done. I think Jomo would have the same kind of uh, reaction from the fans Uh, and Penn state would probably beat Akron by three touchdowns. So that's also a a nice benefit to it. Yeah, 
for sure. Um, before we get into, you know, some of the more fun stuff here with our episode, we need to really quick pause and talk about our wonderful sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Um, I'm not wearing a Homefield Apparel, sh- apparel shirt. I'm wearing a uh, Roar Lions Roar t-shirt right now of our since defunct Roar Lions Roar store. But we, as you know, you've been listening to this podcast. We have an, uh, an arrangement with Homefield Apparel right now where you can use the code ROARLINESROAR, all caps, all one word, to get 15% off of your first order. But we are not just doing that because they approached us. We're doing it because we legitimately love Homefield. All of us have Homefield gear. Um, we've talked to the people behind Homefield several times. We talked to them you know, we on pretty much on a weekly basis, honestly. Um, there's awesome people that make awesome products that look great, feel great, and they're unique. They're interesting. You won't find stuff like this anywhere else. And, you know, they they have really carved out a really cool niche for themselves in the apparel market space that, you know, it it it's the type of business that, you know, it's, if you, if we were to start a clothing company today, like home field is what we would be aspiring to like what they do is fantastic. And it gives you a chance to, you know, it gives you a chance to learn about other schools, even aside from Penn state. Um, so if you don't already have some home field gear, please, please, please take advantage of this code, visit home field apparel, get 15% off of the first order. Um, you can buy Penn state stuff. Their stuff's awesome. We usually, we wear it very frequently on the podcast. So just keep checking back here on YouTube and you can see some of it. Um, but also go out there and buy more stuff. I have a couple Wazoo shirts, Matt. I know you have shirts from like 17 different schools, probably at this point, UC Irvine, Yukon, Louisville, Tulane. Um, I think Penn state, I think I have five. There might be more in there, but I know I at least have five. <laughs> see, that's great. That should be four you. of which, four of which I never, four of which I've never even been to. Like and if you I've have never, never ordered from them before, you can get fifteen percent off right now. Yeah, of course not. That's it. I'd like. I almost bought a Winthrop shirt last time I was on there just because it was awesome. I nice. I'm not even sure I know where Winthrop is. In all honesty, um, but yeah. So if you have not visited Homefield Apparel already, go on. Use the code Roarlines Roar at checkout. Fifteen percent off of your first order. You won't be upset at what you buy because it will look good and it will feel even better. That's a free slogan for you, Homefield. Um, so let's, we're going to do a couple more things here. We're going to talk predictions for this game. And then we are going to do a little retrospective on the 2012 matchup of the Ohio Bobcats and the Penn State Nittany Lions, also known as the aforementioned Bill O'Brien's first game in Happy Valley. Before we do that, Matt, let's talk predictions for the 2022 version of this game. Right now, the line is that Penn State is favored by 25 points at home in Happy Valley. Um, SP plus Bill Connolly's numbers has Penn state winning this game 38, 11. So covering that spread 25 seems like maybe a stretch for a team that just escaped from West Lafayette with a victory again, Purdue, not a bad football team in any sense. They are a very good football team, but what are you thinking here? Um, I think it's a blowout. I think, uh, I think Penn state, you know, runs them up and down the field. Give me the, uh, Give me the Nittany Lions 56. Uh, give me Ohio 10. I feel really good about this game. I, I I think this Penn State team played better as the game went on. Like, really, the only problem I have with Penn State's performance in the second half against Purdue is one absolutely horrendous throw by Sean Clifford. Outside of that, defense buckled down. 
Like, you know, the run game still wasn't there, but that wasn't there all day. I think they're going to work really hard to get these running backs going. I think they're going to be able to find lanes. Like, I think that Catron Allen and Nick Singleton learned a lot from that first game and learned how to hit holes and where to look for holes. Um, again, there's no experience like game experience. And few teams have had a more harrowing game experience than Penn State so far. So I, I think Penn State cruises to a pretty comfortable win. And I think we're going to see a lot of um, you know, sophomores, redshirt freshmen, and true freshmen in this one. I think it'll be a, a really cool moment for uh, for an upcoming youth movement here at Penn State. So I, you know, it, it, over the years, I typically predict blowouts in these spots. And it, you know, more often than not, it ends up being wrong. But I really like the last point you brought up there about, I think that the staff this year, with the group of freshmen, especially they have right now, are going to be more motivated than ever to find as many opportunities to get them. And of course, the main one being Drew Aller, going to find as many opportunities as they can to get those guys on the field beyond you know the last five minutes of just handoff time. So for that reason, I, I agree. I think that Penn State rolls in this one, and I think that they... I don't I don't think they take the foot off the gas pedal until they have like a 28 30 point lead um and I think that their goal is going to be to do that as early into the third quarter as they can so they can get Drew Aller and then probably even Bo Perbula or Christian Vey or whoever ends up being the third string that game um I think they're going to work as hard as they can to get those guys like a solid 16 17 minutes of game time because to your point earlier depth is important and it's something that penn state learned the hard way last year and i not that this is necessarily not that we're talking about a situation where the guys on the two deep are all going to be all the ones cycling into the game we're more talking about like bottom of the two three deep maybe even the four deep but the way college football is now you know we 15 of those guys could transfer in the offseason and we like it wouldn't nothing would skip a beat like that's just that's college football that we're in right now so i think that they're going to work as hard as they can to get as many of those guys into the game as they can and for that reason i do agree i do think penn state's gonna roll pretty easily in this one um i don't know that they're gonna be able to hold ohio you know totally off the scoreboard or anything but i really don't think that something like 48 10 48 14 is out of the realm of possibility here um we're we're in the same ballpark for sure yeah it's just i i think james franklin i we know that he values you know the we know that he values the optics of everything going on very highly and i think he knows how good that would look after what was a game that even though even though Penn State and Purdue were very fairly matched, you know, it's Purdue. There's going to be a lot of fans that don't understand why that game was close. So I think yep. he would really benefit just public perception wise from a crooked scoreboard here. So I think he's going to yep. do whatever he can to make that happen. Can I make one one bold prediction? Of course. We see Drew Aller in the first quarter. The first quarter. I Tell me more, sco- please. I, I don't care what the score. You're seeing Drew Aller in the first quarter. I I, I don't know why. I I would. I would bet my hard-earned American dollars on it. I have no idea why. I just think I think he understands Franklin and your system talking about. Um, they can never have what happened in Iowa City happen ever again, uh, sure. ever. 
And you can do that in this game. Like you're not going to hurt Sean Clifford's feelings, I'm sure, uh, if you go out there and you put Drew Aller in against uh, his hometown team, maybe. I don't, I don't even know where Athens, Ohio is comparatively to Medina. Um, but yeah, I think we see Drew Aller in the first quarter, even if it's tied. So the question is, would they would they fly in some skyline chili from Ohio to sabotage Clifford and send him back to the locker room early to get Aller in there? Maybe they could if they wanted to, man. Hey, weirder <laughs> things have happened. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, we're going to Aller in Aller quarter one, calling it. I, I love it. Speaking of weird things that happened, let's talk about this 2012 Ohio Penn State game. Do a little retrospective here. Bill O'Brien. Hey, Nick's for- Nick Scott forced a fumble in the NFL game tonight as we're recording this. So go Nick Scott. I cannot believe that dude's NFL career has been as good as it is. It's, you know, part of it is just the fortune of ending up on the Rams, right? You know, the Rams have so much money tied up into other places, although they, I don't know how they do the salary cap voodoo that they do. Um, But when you have so much money tied into other spots, like if you can find someone who's at least going to just do the job at safety, you kind of just have to keep them around for that reason. And Nick Scott has done exactly that. He started tonight. It, he's he's been starting. I think he started most of last year. Like he, the Rams start three safeties is, more or less, and he, he's the third one that they yeah. start. But still, like converted running back, NFL starter on a Super Bowl winning team. Good for Nick Scott. I want the world for that dude. There's always there's always that one guy that you were like, this dude has no chance to be in the NFL, and yet he lasts longer than three other guys that you were sure were going to be stars. It happens all the time. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's set the scene. Bill O'Brien's first game, Happy Valley, coming into a. I'm trying to think of how to how to how to quantify the crowd going to that game because there were a lot of people that were unhappy with you know the decision to put the names on the jerseys, um, just kind of the way the more brash way he went around he went about his business as compared to what. They had been used to with Joe Paterno. I think in the student section, I think we were all kind of on the same page that this is cool. Like they got names on the jerseys. Mike Maudie's hair is down to his shoulders. Like this, this was cool. Um, and Mike Zordich's hair was down to his shoulders too. What a, what a duo that was. But I, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people were uneasy. Um, just, you know, given the situation of what was going on. Um, and things started well enough, you know, Matt McGloin touchdown pass to Bill Belton. He tightrope walked the sidelines a little bit that went up seven, nothing early. Um, but you know, eventually Penn state was up 14, three at halftime and Ohio rattled off 21 ans- unanswered points to win this game, 24, 14. And before Matt got on the podcast, I was rewatching the highlights of this game. One, cause I'm a sicko and two, just because, you know, why not? We're going to talk about it. Some, I, I, first of all, I'd recommend doing it. Some absolutely hilarious things happened in this football game. I think it was the first drive of the game. It was the first drive on the highlight reel that I saw. Bill Belton fumbled. It looked like he looked like a cartoon character. Like he, the way he fumbled, he was running. It's like somebody just knocked the entire side of his body and he just went flung sideways. And the ball literally shoots probably 15 feet up into the air. It was one of the funniest fumbles I think I've ever seen. That had to have been one of his first carries as a back because he was a receiver in high school, Probably. you know, and then he was a receiver when he first got here, I want to say. He know, was, I yeah, because Tre- in yeah, Trevor Williams on that team w- was as well because he was a receiver when he first started and then he played in the NFL as a corner mm-hmm. for like five years. Yeah, because in 2011, um, Bill Belton was definitely still. 
was because was it was it Bill Bell? No, I'm trying. Who who was it, it that played Wildcat Moy? quarterback when? Oh, um, was it Curtis Drake? No, in the in um, the Ohio State. Was it Curtis Drake? Oh man, before him and McGloin no, because Curtis Drake or, or was it Cur- Curtis Curtis Drake and McGloin got in the fight before the Ohio right. State game? Yeah, yeah. Or the bowl game. I uh, think that was. Well, whatever it was. Regardless, I'm fairly certain this is Bill Belton's first year um, as a running back because he had, he came in as a wide receiver initially. Um, but yeah, so that was you know probably carry no more than number like five, depending on what happened. And I, I, again, I don't know if there was a drive before that one I saw. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a literal like comic book fumble. It was amazing. Um, and then the next thing that happens on that highlight reel is, uh, everyone's favorite linebacker, Naeem Ortman at the time, Naeem oh. Ortman, um, blocked a punt and that ball, went so high into the air that nobody around it even saw it. Like there was one Penn state guy that recovers it that it, like was tracking it the whole way, but it literally went like out of the camera's range. You couldn't see it. Just two absolutely absurd things to start the game. Ridiculous. I feel like, I feel like that game, that game had to happen for the rest of 2012 to feel as special. Like 2012 was my favorite season of Penn State football. It was like one of the first seasons I oh, like so much fun. Really dug in and like fall. Like I remember I was at Northwestern 2010. Um I was at at Temple at the Link 2011. Um I didn't get to a game in 12. Um but I remember like that was like the first time where I was like okay, like I know every player along the starting lineup, like I know their classes. And that was just like, that was such a, such a fun season. Like everything about that team was just, uh, just a great group of like of players who were there because they just wanted to be there. And that sounds so corny 10 years later, but considering the fact that like if the transfer it's portal true, existed, though. like who knows what that team even looks like. Uh, if you would even be able to like feel that competent team. Um, yeah. yeah, that, that team was awesome, man. That team was great. Yeah. 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 That was, I mean, just rattle off the name. You got, you got Madi, you got, um, you got Zordich, you got McGloin, you got Jordan Hill. You have, uh, I think Zettel was on the team as a freshman at that point, maybe, but he was on maybe. the team. Kyle Carter. Um, Kyle Carter. Yeah. You had the super six. You had Kyle Carter, Alan yeah, Robinson, he, Bill yeah, Belton, um, Dion Smith. Barnes. Yep. Yep. Dion. Um, Dion was like the freshman, D- uh, defensive freshman of the year in the big 10 that year. Um, coming mm-hmm. off a of red shirt yeah. season. He was great. Um, I think Sean Oakman, you remember Sean Oakman? He would have been on the team at this point, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, before he got kicked off. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. This was pre, pre-internet pre blow up, Sean Oakman. Yeah, pre-Baylor. Yeah, that that was such a such an interesting <laughs> group of people. <laughs> the two other the two other things from this game that I noticed on the highlights, uh, I know two things that we talked about on the last podcast with Bill. Um, Gerald Hodges did muff a punt. Unfortunately, that experiment ended relatively quickly, but then I was right. So there was a third and seven. And I think this was for, it was for Ohio's first touchdown in the game. Um, a third and seven, their quarterback, Tyler Tettleden is getting pressured like crazy. That's a throws this ball up off his back foot, (laughs) throws the ball up off his back foot, goes it, I, I think it touches the hands of two different Penn State defenders. Like they're they're right there. Bounces off one or both of their hands right into this Ohio receiver's hands, and he just kind of like zigzags his way through the rest of the field and scores a touchdown. Like that, I feel like that was the moment where 
like I, yeah, what was I 2012? So that was my senior year. I was still like, or that, no, not my senior year. That was my junior year football season. Um, I still was like, before that game started, I was like, you know, I mean, maybe they'll be okay. Like Bill O'Brien's a smart dude. They still have a lot of pieces. Maybe they'll be all right. When that play happened, I was like, oh no, this is not going to be a fun season. <laughs> Thankfully it was, program. but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, between that and then what maybe I, I swear there was one play where a ball deflected like 12 yards back in someone's hand in the end zone, but maybe it really was the one that Bill said where it deflected off Trevor Williams hands and into somebody else's or off somebody into Trevor Williams hands, whatever it was. Mm. Um, I will give you Matt, I will give you 10. I'll give you $10 via Venmo. Okay. If you can tell me who caught the other touchdown for Penn state in this game, aside from bill Belton, Alex and Kenny. I'll even no, And I'll even give you a hint. It was a tight end. Okay. So it's not Brandon Mosby Felder. Um, it's not Kenny. It would have been, it wouldn't have been just, he was still, he was still Brandon Felder at that point. (laughs) Okay. It was before he was Mosby Felder. Um, it's a tight end. No, I wouldn't have been layman. Um, Gary Gilliam. You were so close. It was Matt layman. Was it layman? Damn. You had it. You had it right there. I didn't think layman scored that. I didn't think layman scored multiple. Oh, he scored it in Nebraska. never forget. Um, but I don't think he scored. I think he scored that many. I should have went with layman. Because Gilliam would have still been a tight end at this point. Because it was before they were so desperate for offensive oh, yeah. linemen, they shifted him in. Huh? I should have said. I'm it. so I'm so glad you said that because that now leads me to my transition. Where yes, this was before Gary Gilliam became an offensive lineman and eventually went to the NFL and played offensive lineman for the Seahawks and caught a touchdown in their miraculous comeback in, against the Packers in the NLCS or the, not the NLCS, the NFC Championship game. Thank you for giving my Seahawks Avenue who, to me. In who this threw podcast, it? Matt. Thank you for that. Who threw it to Gary Gilliam? Oh, John Ryan, the punter. Right. I'm impressed. Uh, actually, I'm not it impressed. It was a fake you, punt. Yeah, a fake field goal, yeah. I thought. The, and I and right for bonus it. points, it victimized it victimized former Buckeye AJ Hawk in the process because AJ oh, Hawk no. is running straight at John Ryan and he has to make a decision. Are you going to go after the punter or are you going to let the offensive lineman roam free into the end zone? He went after Ryan and Ryan just flew floats this little ball up and Gilliam, you know, obviously former time, former tight end catches it touchdown comeback is on. It was beautiful. Um, I think that's probably enough retrospective for now. However, I do like this. We should do more when they play common opponents like this, that they've played before. We should find funny games they've played in the past and continue to look back at this in the future. I, I like we this have idea. any, any more in the non-con Auburn, just the one, um, and that's so not fresh. in the non-con. No. Yeah, I don't remember Central Michigan. Have they played them recently? I don't remember. I know they've played Eastern Michigan a ton. Oh, I don't I know. Remember. Maybe they've played every other directional Michigan. That's true. That is true. <laughs> I'm sure we wouldn't have to look that hard to find the last time they played Central, yeah. but I think that's probably enough for today. As a reminder, if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you leave a comment with a question, we will happily answer it on the podcast. Please also make sure that you are subscribed to us on YouTube so you can tune in for our pregame channel before the game. Uh, We'll probably do it from, let's see, the game's at noon Eastern time. Let me do this in my head. We'll probably be live from like 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Um, Yes, I'll have to wake up early, but I'm willing to do that for you. You're very brave. Um, Also... 
if you are on Twitter, which I assume you are, um, after the game is over, we'll probably end up doing a Twitter spaces again. Last week was awesome. We had a whole bunch of people hop in and ask questions. It was a lot of fun. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at RLR blog. Yeah, it was packed. I remember I was I was at a bar. Mm-hmm. I was at a bar, so I couldn't. Yeah, it was a lot. Anything. It was a lot of fun, though. Uh, so make sure you're following yeah. us on Twitter at RLR blog. So you can join in that after this week's festivities as well. But after you've finished unpausing this and after you've subscribed to all those places, now that you're back, I will say goodbye. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my wonderful co-host, Matt Filipovitz, thanks for listening to Roar Lions Roar. Go State. Go State.